Get up to two free months of podcast hosting service with Lipson. Use our unique promo code LATINAPOD to get your show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Get critical audience building stats and all the support you need to sound your best. They can even do video. Bring your podcast to life and have your voice heard here, there and everywhere with Lipson. Again, make sure to use Lipson promo code LATINAPOD and get podcasting. Fuel your curiosity with a digital subscription to National Geographic. It gives you unlimited access to unique perspectives and stories published daily on science, history, animals, and more. Subscribe for $2.99 a month at natgeo.com slash explore. Listening to Empowerment and All That podcast, your favorite podcast for women's empowerment, hosted by Rita Bautista. It's time to be reminded of the authority of your inner goddess and elevate the power within. Are you ready? Thanks for having us. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you guys for giving me time and uh, you know joining me on my podcast. So um, I want you guys to give me a little background on yourselves. Tell me where you're from. Um, you know, when you got it started in sports and we'll go from there. Okay. So I grew up in Spring, Texas. So just about 45 minutes outside of Houston. Mm -hmm. I started playing soccer a little later because I know you can start when you're four, but I was into the (laughs) gymnastics cheerleading kind of thing. But then I saw my brother playing soccer and I wanted to be like him. Mm -hmm. So my parents signed me up and I played till I was 21. So. Wow. 21. So how did you get started in football? Uh, football was kind of a second or third tertiary sport. Okay. Um, I originally grew up playing baseball and basketball just wow. with my brothers. I have three brothers, two older and one younger. Mm-hmm. Um, the two oldest played every sport possible, and so I just kind of wanted to follow into their footsteps, and we were constantly you know, really competitive. Um, and so you know, growing up, going to high school, seeing where the next level was going to be, Football was kind of the the calling card um, out of all of it, and so I really focused on that, and then got the opportunity to uh, to go to Baylor to play play a little bit of D one football. That's awesome. So wait, so Texas is really big on high school sports, right? So where did you guys go to school? So I went to Klein Collins in Spring, um, and I played for a Challenge Soccer Club. And I went to Garland High School in good old G Town. G Town. So you guys got scouts that started coming to look for you. Like, how did you get into Baylor? Did you go on scholarship? Like, what was that experience like? Mm -hmm. So I actually signed um, to Baylor as a sophomore in high school. So it was really early. I was the first one on my soccer team. But I just knew that's where I wanted to go. And it kind of took the stress of college applications and, you know, going through that whole recruiting process, which I did to a certain degree, but just not as extensively. Because um, typically you're not committing till you're like late into your junior year. Yeah. Um, but I just knew Baylor was the school for me. I visited it. It was beautiful. The coaches were awesome. And it was centered around everything that I wanted. So it was kind of a shoe in And I just picked it and went yeah. forth. Yeah. Yeah, my, my journey was a little different. Um, <laughs> I wasn't as fortunate to her to, to <laughs> sign in my sophomore year. You weren't as awesome as I was. I wasn't as was awesome. First, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so I. <laughs> Going into my senior season, I was originally committed to the University of Kansas to play football there. Um, They went through my entire senior season. At the end of the season, they ended up firing all the coaching staff at Kansas. Mm -hmm. And so that really kind of opened up my recruitment again, unfortunately. But fortunately, um, I still kept some good contacts with other colleges just in case, you know, having the kind of backup plan. Mm -hmm. And uh, Coach Montgomery at Baylor, who was the quarterback coach at the time in O.C., I reached back out to him. I was like, "Hey, do y'all have any opportunities open? You know, do y'all have any scholarships? Anything? I mean, I'm open. I'm open." And uh, he said, "Not right now. We had this guy named uh, Robert Griffin the uh, Third. Otherwise, oh yes, RG three. Little RG. Yeah, big. Uh, he was he was going into his senior season, and so you know they didn't. They had all their spots filled, but he fortunately a week later ended up committing to the draft, and then that kind of opened up another spot, and I went and visited." Loved Browse and the regime and the whole university. I mean, just like her, like the campus is beautiful. Um, I love their style of play, and so I ended up committing there and having a having a great time. 
Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So fast forward, you're sitting and in practice, right? What was it where you see this beautiful oh, blonde gosh. hair injured? <laughs> he loves telling this story. That walks tell it. So tell us a little bit about how you guys met. Yeah, so we freshman year before falls before our fall schedule of school and sports started, we had to take an etiquette class. And that was for all the athletes, all the freshman athletes that were coming in that year. Uh, so we were at the football facility in our team room, which is kind of like a theater seating. Um, the aisles go down the sides, and you open, you enter into the back. Um, us being you know freshmen, they were saying everybody, athletes always sit at the front because you want to set a good example with the teachers and whatnot. Right. Um, that so, doesn't ever happen. <laughs> it doesn't, but that's they're always they, lying in the back <laughs> row. Let's be real. That happened the do. first week. Yeah, and so... <laughs> And I'm sitting in the front row. I'm probably about two or three seats in from the end. Mm -hmm. And it's about to, class is about to start. And then I hear the door open and it shuts. And you start hearing this guy <laughs> coming down the coming down the aisleway. And I was kind of like, what's that weird noise? You know, somebody crutching on some crutches. And, uh, and then Ashley kind of crutches to the front and kind of looks down the row like somebody better get up because I need to sit here. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> because since I wasn't was, going to go between the two seats. Yeah. Like, there was no way. Because she was recovering. She had an ACL surgery. And so she had, was in the crutches and everything. And so I got up and gave her my seat and I moved to the back. And so that kind of sparked a little bit of uh, you know interest, I guess, in both of both of our minds. And then, yeah. Uh, Later on, we eventually kind of hung out, and then here we are today. Here we are, married and in love. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> so Give the girl your seat. Oh, yeah. Always. For here on out, you're giving her yeah, your seat. That's right? the trick. <laughs> so, okay, so you get injured. This is your first year before you even start playing, mm -hmm. right? Is that, so you come to school already injured, or how does that work? Like I, I came to school injured, so I actually tore my ACL the last game of my club soccer career before I went to college. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Last game, second half, the end of everything, and then completely tore it. So I remember having to have that conversation with my college coach, like calling her, kind of feeling like, oh, they're not going to want me anymore, but lucky because they already signed me, so yeah. it was already a done deal. Um, but yeah, so I came in injured had surgery, I think, two weeks before I moved up to college um, because we had to take um, the second summer session just so you could get ahead on your classes since we both have fall sports. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, so came in injured and had to rehab the first eight to nine months. Wow. So I missed that first season and redshirted. Wow. So were you able then to play the additional three years? I mean, Tell me a little bit more about that because I'm not too familiar with the red shirt process. Right? right. So it should give you an additional four years of eligibility. Um, so what happened with me is so I came in injured, rehabbed for that first nine months. I think it was, I mean, it was in spring season, um, which is our off season that I started practicing again with the team. Um, and then my first practice back at full contact, I tore my ACL again, the same <laughs> one. Whew. That was horrible. <laughs> yeah. And it was just. I mean, it was pretty bad, but, um, so I immediately went straight into rehabbing again for another nine months, maybe even more than that because they were so nervous about me mm -hmm. because it was the same knee and I don't know, I think they just didn't want me to go back and do it a third time and I don't know, but, um, so yeah, got back, hurt back to back. So I didn't actually play until I was a junior school wise wow. and I opted to um, just play that senior, that junior season and then my senior season because my senior season, I got hurt again. Um, more of a minor knee surgery, yeah. but still a surgery. And I was like, this is three from 18 to 20. I think this is a lot. I want to be able to walk when I'm older. Yeah. Um, so I just decided to stop there because I knew I wanted to go to grad school and I had education aspirations that I wanted to pursue um, versus staying and playing longer. And so what is your actual profession now? So I am a registered dietitian um, at a children's hospital in Houston. Awesome. And it, was that what your dream job was? Is that what you wanted to do? Is that why you ended up wanting to like quit sports and go into 
like dietitian? I mean, right. I mean, I think I've always had an interest in nutrition just because that's such a big focus. Um, being an athlete, your nutrition is key. I didn't necessarily see myself as being a inpatient clinical dietitian per se, um, but you go through your master's program, you go through an internship program where you're exposed to all those different areas. Mm-hmm. And I think after you work with adults, you realize that that's not what you want to do, yeah. at least from a dietitian standpoint, because they don't listen to you. Like, they're set in their ways. And with kids, yeah. you can mold their brains. Absolutely. And they're just fun. Like, it's just a it's just a fun environment yeah. to go into every single day. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Most people don't want to work with adults anyway. I know. So. <laughs> that's true. But if you have to tell them what to do, it's even worse. Right. <laughs> Especially when it comes to food. Because exactly. so. at this point, we've had a chance to taste everything. I know so. it. I know. <laughs> well, so you guys meet in college, right? And so before, while you were going through all these injuries, then you, you're also meeting Seth, right? Mm-hmm. Who's star quarterback. Right. Quarterback um, the- no, 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 not at the time. I didn't know he was the quarterback at the time. Um, he was the third string quarterback. Yeah, third string. I didn't care about that. And I think that's why... Secretly, all women do. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's part of the reason why we were able to be so strong and consistent to each other. Because I didn't, like, I don't know. Some girls have ill intentions when it comes mm. to football players. Like, they want the star athlete and things like that. But that wasn't my situation. Um, Yet. No. Oh, yeah. I kept you around <laughs> because you ended up being good. No. Until he got better. and then No, 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 no. I mean, that was a plus. But, no, yeah. that's not the reason why. Um, but, yeah, he was, like, third-string quarterback when I met him. Didn't know he was a quarterback. So, it was kind of like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. But. So, how do you go from third string quarterback to where you're actually getting plays on the field and you're getting you're growing some popularity uh it's definitely a, a learning process you know mm-hmm. with our system it's pretty easy it was pretty easy to pick up but it was executing it at a high level which with the, the guys out in front of me like I was mentioned you know Robert Griffin the third you had a kid named Nick Florence that came after him Bryce Petty who got drafted in the fourth round and then me and so it's kind of like you look for you look up to those guys where you think you can beat them out, which mm-hmm. I mean I felt like I could have, but it was like waiting your turn. You know, Coach Browse he was big on waiting your turn, learning from the guys in front of you and gaining experience while watching, you know, through their downfalls and their upsides, you know, mm-hmm. and learning through that and then really trying to take advantage of the opportunities when you do get them. Um, but you know, for the most part it wasn't really it was tough for me because I was a competitor and I still am. And at that point, whenever I'm a freshman, sophomore, or a freshman and sophomore, I'm thinking to myself, I should be the one out there, like, mm-hmm. starting. Like, I should be the one, you know, going through the plays, like, leading the team to championships. But then on the flip side, it's like, you know, I'm glad I wasn't because if it didn't happen that way, I mean, I'm I'm completely, you know, content in myself. Like, if it were, you know, if hell were to freeze over, like, you know, I would take the blame for it. Like, that's just that type of guy that mm-hmm. I am. And... You know, watching those guys, how they were able to succeed and be able to learn from their, you know, like their positives and being able to be a part of a championship team and see the older guys kind of go through, you know, their processes of learning and and them kind of doing what they did. And then me step in and be able to be successful in the system as well. It was, I think it was just a great learning process in in total. That's pretty cool. That's uh, that's actually that's pretty awesome that you talk about that experience of like learning from the person in front of you and waiting your turn. I think too many people nowadays are trying to rush through everything and they want to be the front man without having any skill or understanding whatsoever, as opposed to actually giving themselves the time to mature and get better in their skill across the board with everything. Mm-hmm. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so you kind of relate it to day-to-day life now as an adult, yeah, you know, going absolutely. into the profession thinking, why am I not making that much money? Like yeah. I want to be doing that, but it's just a process. I mean, I know I should be making millions of dollars already, I mean, but... <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm with you. <laughs> right. So, all right. So now you're playing, right? And then all of a sudden, so your first injury, pretty huge injury, right? So tell us a little bit about what was going on, what happened. Yeah. Give so, us the rundown on that. Yeah, so we were, uh, I think, like, ranked fourth or third in the nation and just by football standings. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we were running through teams like we were putting up, you know, video game numbers is what they would call it. Mm-hmm. And this is your first year as a starter. First year as a starter. Yeah. And oh, so wow. we're putting up like these numbers that are unheard of. 
um, even in previous years at Baylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I was in the running for, I was like the head guy in the lead for the Heisman Trophy that year. Um, everything was just going the way that it needed to go, like from all the hard work and dedication that all the players have put in. Um, and then it comes down to we're at homecoming, and it's a big tradition at Baylor. Like I think it was one of the original colleges, bonfires. yeah, yeah original right. colleges to like actually mm-hmm. do a homecoming or a bonfire. Mm-hmm. And there's five minutes left in the game. We're up by at least two touchdowns, and there's no reason why I shouldn't have just handed the ball off. But I was, you know, not thinking in my right mind. I pulled the ball, which is on the zone read, like you have the option to pull it or hand it off. Mm-hmm. So I pulled it, and I'm running. I'm thinking I'm going to get a first down, and a guy comes up and hits me kind of like my head is kind of like down at an angle and just basically like kind of crunches it to the side. Um, I kind of sat there for a minute because I knew something was wrong. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what was wrong. I mean, I didn't have any kind of paralysis or any kind of tingling or anything going throughout my body. But as I got up to start walking to get to the next play, because I'm thinking, okay, we'll just shake it off, move on to the next play. Like, I start trying to walk to the right, and my body will only walk to the left. It was the weirdest feeling in my entire life that I've ever been in. And, like, I didn't know how to handle it. And so I looked over to the sideline. I called a timeout, and I knew that, you know, all the eyes were going to be on me because it was just like a, you know, that's just the way the cameras work. They're always looking at the quarterback. And so I would use the yard marker on the field and stare at that as I was walking so I knew I was walking in a straight line. Like, if I wasn't, I would have easily been walking to the left. And I walked slowly, too. But as I got to the sideline, I was talking. Everybody was ready to go. I'm still in my head, like, what's going on? Like, I'm not freaking out, but I'm just kind of like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, and so I tell coach, I was like, I can't go. And they all, everybody like paused and looked at me like, what are you talking about? You can't go. I said, I, I can't go. And so everybody kind of paused for a little bit longer. It was like, uh, okay, the, whoever the second string go in, whatever. Mm-hmm. They probably never heard that out of your mouth before. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's just not the type of guy I was like, right. I was going to fight through. I mean, I fight through everything like just cause that's who I am. Yeah. Um, so I go to the sideline and start getting evaluated um, then I game ends, I go to the hospital, get x-rays ends up. I have a complete fracture through my facet joint on the right side of my C6 vertebrae. Um, so in layman's terms, that's, you broke, broke your neck. neck. I broke my neck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I shouldn't have been walking. Jeez. Like I should, I, there's no reason I, you know, God has some kind of divine intervention in that, that where the way that it broke and how all the ligaments that were torn in there, that. Why I would, why did I walk off? I don't know, mm-hmm. but I was able to, and, and I kind of use that as fire because once I kind of got injured and started going through the uh, after surgery, going through the rehab process, and I was getting messages from people all around the country and all around the world, like sending me pictures of their kids, saying my kid did the same thing you did, but he's in a wheelchair, and so it's just kind of like it kind of oh sparks God. that type of, I guess, emotion or whatever in you that's like okay I'm gonna fight through this like I have this opportunity to go back on the field and prove that even though somebody has broken their neck they neck they can make it to the next level and that was my mentality going through all of it wow so (laughs) that's got to be the scariest thing to find out that you broke your neck but I'm I'm wondering like you know, you're obviously watching these games while he's mm-hmm. playing and everything, and all of a sudden you're watching the game and you know something's wrong. Like, what is going through your mind, and how are you feeling at this moment when you know something's, something's not right? Right. I mean, I think I was high-strung to begin with in every single football game. I think every single time Seth was up to play, I'd, like, hold my breath because the quarterback back gets blamed for everything and so and I get all defensive because you hear people in the stands like saying like oh Seth you suck and I don't know I'd always get really defensive um so I was on edge per usual but I think I mean when and when anybody gets uh hurt on the field you obviously have that sense of panic but especially being Seth um, knowing how well he was doing and knowing his dreams and his aspirations of playing in the NFL. Um, that's the first thing that goes through your brain. Obviously, his health as well, but from what it looked like, 
being in the stands, it looked like they were treating him for a concussion. And I know that shouldn't be a normal thing, mm-hmm. but it just kind of is. I mean, I played soccer. I've been headed in the head numerous times, kicked in the head numerous times. Like, I've had concussions myself. Like, football's a contact sport. You just expect it. And so I was thinking it was more so a concussion, and that's kind of the protocol it looked like was being followed on the field. Um, but I think I realized something was really wrong when – um, we were actually called down from the stands to go on the field and then go under into the stadium because something was really wrong with him and they were going to send him to the hospital. So it was scary. I was crying. His mom was crying. Like there was just a bunch of things. Like we obviously didn't know his neck was broken. I don't think we knew your neck was broken at the stadium. We didn't know Mm -hmm. until we went over to the hospital, but just like seeing Seth, like I've seen him cry like two times maybe Mm -hmm. in a lifetime and that was probably one of them and just seeing like how somber he was just looking at him like that wasn't my Seth right like that wasn't my happy-go-lucky Seth like I knew something was up and I think that was the scariest part makes me kind of teary-eyed thinking Mm -hmm. about it oh y'all I feel like I want to cry just listening to this story like so when you're in the hospital and they tell you all this and then you find out okay, you have to undergo surgery. How long did they tell you the rehab process was going to be and how long all this was going to take for you to get back onto the field? Yeah, so I initially went up to Dallas because I was supposed there was a guy up there that was the guru of neck surgeries and blah, 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 whatever. Went up there and just didn't have a good experience with him. Um, And that kind of go back to the story of God really puts people in places. You don't know why they put them there or why so far across the country, whatever it was. But my brother, he was an orthopedic, he's an orthopedic surgeon. And he was, he got his residency at the University of West Virginia, which was a hospital that is the partner with the University of West Virginia. And so he started doing a bunch of research on who are the best surgeons in the country to do this. And it ends up being, there was only three of them that could that were at the top of the list. There was one in Florida. There was one, I think, in like California, and there was one at the hospital he was at, which was just the craziest thing to think of, like just in retrospect of like how many physicians in the country, let alone the world, and one of them is at the same hospital that he's at. And so I ended up making a trip up there, uh, you know, went through the full process, you know, possible opportunities, what, what can we do, what are some of the steps, and... By the book, they told me that it was a double, so a double level fusion. So that would have been C5, C6, and C7 would have all been fused together, which that basically shut out any opportunity to play football ever again, mm-hmm. just from just from the, the risks that it would take of the forces and whatnot of, on each of the other joints. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up doing a single level fusion. Everything worked out. The way it was supposed to be perfectly, everything healed properly, Jeez. you know, by the grace of God. And it was just a, it was a really interesting process just to kind of go through it. But once everything kind of got over the hump, mm-hmm. it was really starting to get back to that mindset of, okay, here's another opera. Like, not many people get a second chance, and this was a second chance of going back and, and playing the game that I loved. That's that's pretty intense to say, I just broke my neck and I'm thinking about getting back on the field again. Yeah. So what was something that really, I mean, you mentioned, you know, your belief in God, right? Mm-hmm. What was something that really continued to help you ground yourself and empower you through this, um, this injury? Yeah, I think it was just going back to that, of the, you know, the, the overwhelming support from Baylor Nation, from anybody that followed collegiate football. I mean, doctors, families anybody that knew anything about football mm-hmm. like I mean unfortunately you know my the, the neck was like big news of mm-hmm. like you know Baylor quarterback Heisman front runner breaks his neck like what's next type right. of deal and there was always kind of like a following of what was going to be next with that and just really seeing you know I'm coach Browse his one of his big big sayings was go out and prove yourself every day because like he's a guy that's you know blue collar doesn't want anything handed to him and he really instilled that in me in the standpoint of you're not going to get this opportunity again like if if you fail it like that's on you like you need to make the best of it and so I really kind of took that to heart mm-hmm. and really started to work harder you know push myself to the limits of <laughs> like in the weight room 
I would do neck exercises. Jeez. And <laughs> <laughs> like I would do wow. it where you have these these big kind of rubber band type deals. Yeah. And I would put it to the top of the weight machine and I would just tie it around the side of my head and I would just lay and like free weight basically and just hold myself up with my neck just to strengthen it. And <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, and uh my strength coaches Whenever they saw me doing it, they freaked out because they're like, "What are you doing? Like you're not supposed to be doing this." I'm like, "Just back off! Like I got this! Like I know I can." Yeah. I, I trust myself. Like I know what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna be, you know, ignorant in this situation. But it was a. Uh, that's what kind of kept pushing me is you know yeah. the guys around me. They were working hard, so I was like, I'm not gonna pity myself. Like I want to be out there with those guys. I want to get back on the field, and you know, whatever that takes. And I just kept pushing myself and, and using that as motivation. That's awesome. Now, is there any point while he's doing these neck, neck exercises that you're like, maybe this isn't a good idea, maybe you should probably take a little bit more time, or were you just like gun-ho the entire time, like this is a great idea, just keep moving, because you knew how much he cared about it? I mean, from a rehab standpoint, I definitely wanted him to rehab it, because whether or not his choice was to go back to football or just go back to life, like that obviously needs mm-hmm. to be mended. Um I was impartial because I feel like you can't tell someone whose dream their whole life has been to play at the next level, like, don't try. Like, my one thing that I remember always telling Seth was, like, if you are going to be 100% safe going back on the football field, I'm okay with it. But if there's a chance that you're more prone to breaking your neck now because of your neck injury, I won't be okay with it. Um, I remember having those conversations. Mm-hmm. That was so long yeah. ago. Yeah. But... I think a lot of people thought that was crazy. Like, I remember um, many people telling me, because Waco is such a small town, and it was even such a smaller town before all this Magnolia stuff came to. That wasn't a thing until the very end of our Baylor experience. Um, But, like, people at restaurants would say things like, (laughs) why are you letting him play? Or, like, just, like, like, his mom and to me and just making rude comments. Like, oh, if, they're my, if this was my son, if this was my boyfriend, like, I wouldn't do this. And it's like, well, you are not in this situation. But I think you kind of, you hear both sides. But at the end of the day, the only person who can make that decision is Seth. And so he respected the fact that I said, if you're not 100% safe, I don't want you playing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he'd listen to me if he was told that he wasn't 100% mm-hmm. safe to play. Um, but... That was always something that I um, made known when we would have these discussions, which would be frequent, because I don't think... I mean, his neck rehab wasn't that intense from what I understand. It was more so just healing of the bone and then getting your muscles stronger. Um, And it was like six months. Like, it wasn't... And that seems like a long time, but like in the rehab realm of things, I feel like... Not, I mean, sometimes it takes years to, re- like, a year to rehab something. Right. And so it wasn't that bad of, like, a rehab recovery. But I think, like, right after the surgery, seeing how um, how in pain he was, mm-hmm. uh, was kind of like, oh, gosh, because there's no way he's ever going to be back on a football field. He's He was so mean after surgery. <laughs> oh. I don't, this is, I think he's never been meaner to me in my life, and it was such a kind gesture on my part. <laughs> She's like, I'm literally letting you play. No, I will never let him forget this. <laughs> so, I flew to West Virginia, because that's just something you're not going to forget. I mean, by this point, what, we'd been dating for two and a half to three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was already, we talked about marriage, things like that. We hadn't gotten engaged yet, but it was obviously something that we were planning to do in the future. Um, So flew to West Virginia, was there for that whole eight-hour surgery, Um, and then when he came back, he was staying in a hotel, Um, and like one night we decided to go over to his brother's house because they were living in West Virginia at the time, still are, they're about to move back though, but it was Halloween time. And so they had two children. So there's like candy at the house. Mm. And I'm like, wow, there's a Reese's peanut butter cup. Seth really loves that candy. So he's just like sitting on a couch. Like we're all just bringing food to him or we're just congregating in the kitchen because he's just in pain. We'll not talk to anyone. And I'm like, I think I can break him. Like there, there has to be a way. So I don't not go, literally. I, okay, break not him again. as in, <laughs> not as again. in, as in your kidding. mood. Just, just 
breaking your mood because yeah. you just were not happy. You were obviously in pain and were on a ton of pain medication. But I was just going over, like, trying to give him a piece of candy, like, being goofy. And he wouldn't talk to me. Like, it was the weirdest thing. Like, I knew he could speak. We had spoken before. But he was just in so much pain. He wouldn't talk to me. I remember went and cried and had to tell myself, like, Ashley, he's just in a lot of pain. Like, it's not something you did. Like, but I was so upset because I'm kind of like, Seth, just say a word. Like, say no thanks or no or something like that. But he just would not speak. Um, But back to your question. So I felt... At the end of the day, it was Seth's decision. I told him, I will be supportive of what you do. This is what I want out of the situation, knowing that you're going to be 100% healthy going back because we can't go through this again because you may not get so lucky next time around. Interestingly enough, you get back on the field mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're playing, yeah. fully recovered, neck injuries, fully healed. Yeah. And then what happens? <sighs> Another turn of events, I guess. (laughs) Unfortunate turn of events. Um, Yeah, so we're playing Oklahoma. I think we may have lost one or two games by this time. But we're still in the running for, you know, possibly a Big 12 championship to national championship. And just kind of like everybody is. It's middle of the season. Uh, We're at Oklahoma. And it's the third quarter. Um, We're driving down. It was a third and long. Again, another third down. And I end up scrambling and scrambling up the middle and I kind of went to spin to my left and as I spun a guy uh, outside linebacker or safety or somebody had kind of cracked down and went for went low and as they went low I was twisting and my foot stayed in place and everything else twisted with my body and uh if you want to look it up on YouTube, go for it. You probably yeah. don't want to if you're squeamish. Um, it's pretty bad, guys. I actually uh, <laughs> did a little bit of my own research and saw the video, and it's it's pretty bad. Yeah, so. and so uh, you know, it, it happened. I'm laying there on the ground, and I kind of look down at my, at my foot, and it's facing about a 45-degree angle out, and my other foot is straight, straight up. I'm like, that doesn't look right. Like, there's something wrong here, <laughs> now, as you can imagine. And I start... I looked at it, and I started kind of saying out loud. I wasn't screaming. I was I was saying out loud. I was like, somebody pop it in. Like, just, just pop it in. Somebody pop it in or whatever. And as I'm saying that, I could hear people in the background like, oh, my gosh. Like, bro, I think I'm going to throw up. Like, just all this kind of, like, funny yeah. comments kind of going on. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever told me that before. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, and so my center at the time, so Kyle Fuller, he comes over because he's just one of those guys that like he's always gonna help you up. Yeah. And he comes over, I'm like, bro, pop it in, pop it in. And he kind of like reached down to look and see what was actually going on. And he probably got about two feet from my foot and saw saw it and was like, uh-uh, I'm not qualified for that, or something, something funny <laughs> yeah. of that nature. And uh and then that's whenever kind of our our medical staff kind of came. Or, I don't know who, I think it was Dr. I don't, I don't remember. Somebody came like sliding in and like grabbed my leg or whatever. They were like, lay down. I was like, just pop it in. I was just lay down. I was like, just pop it in. And so they like recessed it and then popped it back in into place. I mean, there wasn't, I guess it was dislocated also. Um, and at no point you pass out. No, 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 no. Okay. No. I mean, because it's just adrenaline. Yeah. I would have, like, passed out immediately. Yeah. That's just me. <laughs> it just, it felt like a really bad twisted ankle. And if you watch it, you'll understand what I'm saying. It's a really bad twisted ankle. Um, and so I get carted off. You know, once I get on the cart, like, the whole, you know, Baylor, or not Baylor, the OU Stadium just kind of, like, just starts, like, an uproar, like, clapping and cheering or whatever. Just kind of, like, I guess out of respect or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um but I remember, you know, going under the stadium, getting x-rays. And as I was, but before all that, as I was getting carted off the field, I was like, I'll be back out. I'll just tape it up. I'll be back out. <laughs> and, uh... The trainer's like, no, sir. Yeah, and the doctors were like, um, probably not. But they weren't telling me that because you couldn't really hear anything at the time. And, of course, you get x-rays and it's completely broken. And mm. then it starts that next process of what's next. You know, mm-hmm. obviously surgery. What after that? Is it... Is the NFL even an opportunity? You know, um, in my mind, I'm like, I want to come back from this. Like, there's not nothing's going to stop me, whatever. And so we just kind of 
got to that point and uh, we just kind of moved on and saw what was happening next after the surgery and rehab. So while you're going through all this stuff, right, are you getting interviewed? Are you getting watched by, you know, these your potential scouts for the NFL? I mean, like, what's going on behind the scenes and in front of the scenes while you're going through all this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So NFL, we weren't really allowed to speak to the scouts. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more of kind of our coaches would we'd get packets and stuff from them and whatnot. But... Uh, more of my focus was on getting my ankle back. I didn't really care about because that wasn't going to be something unless I got my ankle back. Mm-hmm. And I knew a lot of the hype had really fallen off from my name or whatever and being in the next level. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like a kind of like a punch to the gut, sort of like you work this hard and you get one injury and they just completely like get off of you type of deal. But I understand that game is or that league is business is very lucrative like there's always the next guy in line mm-hmm. type of thing and um but I guess what was the toughest part out of all of it was going through rehab and thinking okay it's been six weeks I still don't really have any progress mm-hmm. it's been eight weeks still very little progress 10 weeks very little progress and by that time by all by once the bone had completely healed and I was into the therapy side, the physical therapy. Things weren't adding up timeline-wise because we had the NFL Combine that was coming up that I was invited to that I accepted because it was just a, I mean, you, don't, you only get one opportunity at that. Right. Um, and while that time, I think that was 12 weeks out from my actual injury. And so I'm training, trying to get back. The ankle's just not responding. I had severe nerve damage i mean i went through all like the the nerve tests and everything like just things were not responding Mm -hmm. and i still have nerve damage to this day but at that point i was like i just kept pushing through it like there was i was in constant pain it was just something that i it was just pain like Mm -hmm. i've been through worse kept pushing myself because i knew what i wanted to get to you know, and be that guy that broke his neck his junior year, broke his ankle his senior year, and was still able to get drafted or possibly play in the NFL. And that was just kind of kept my my mindset and how I kept pushing myself. But, you know, got to the combine, did awful, because I just, I couldn't move. Mm-hmm. I just, I, it was really bad. I think that kind of hurt my stock a little bit as well. Um, and then I ended up not running at my pro day, which looking back, I probably should have just tried because I probably would have ran faster than 90% of the other quarterbacks that were in that draft that year. Yeah. Um, but it, it all, in hindsight, you know, wishing yeah, I would have done something else. But, I mean, I had, threw the ball great in the combine. I mean, that's probably the best I could have done at that time. And I just felt like, with the with the drafts coming up, I was mm-hmm. going to have an opportunity moving forward. So, so what were you thinking when you? I'm sure you guys are talking the entire time, right? Like you're giving her feedback on how it's going at the combine. What's going through your mind when he's telling you all of like his performance while he's there? I mean, I feel like. He was always hard on himself. Like, I feel like that wasn't, like, a new thing. I, I think he could have scored six touchdowns in a game and him say, oh, I could have gotten one more kind of thing. So I feel like I never truly, I don't know, like, I, I'm not, like, this extremely knowledgeable football girlfriend or anything like that. I know the basics. I know what's good. I know what's bad. But I don't know that, like, oh, that throw was a bad one compared to this one. I'm like, well, it still got through the receiver, so who cares? Um, <laughs> like, I'm a football person. That I, yeah, I, I, just, I mean, I'm a football person when Seth is playing, but when Seth's not playing, I don't find it that interesting, to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I just took it as, like, it was another game, and his Seth was being hard on himself. I didn't necessarily think he did bad or he did good. I feel like I probably asked my dad, and he said, oh, well, I mean, he could have done better, but my dad's going to always be nice. He's not going to tell me something that's going to make me sad um, because I was excited for Seth. I mean, I think it's cool. Not everyone's invited to the NFL Combine. Like, that's just an awesome experience right. in itself, but... 
yeah. I mean, I don't think I really thought much into it. I knew he wasn't 100%, but I feel who could be after getting that traumatic injury mm-hmm. months prior. So yeah. I think we'd always thought that, you know, the NFL was still a chance because he'd done so well in the past. Even if it was like a late round or if it was a get picked up at a mini camp or something like that. I feel like we just always had that hope and that, um, you know, I wanted that for him too. The only player in the world with these two major injuries that still made it happen. So I feel like if he had had a couple more months to continue to rehab, he could have competed with those guys still. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, sometimes it's all about timing, right? And had you had more time, probably would be... I wouldn't be sitting here with you guys right now, right? So, um, who knows? Maybe in the future you might want to go back and retry again. Brett Favre went back into the NFL (laughs) after many, many years. Mm, You never know, right? Um, So, one of the things I thought was interesting that you put down on, like, the little bit of, you know, some info that you gave me beforehand was that you were able to be a lot more present during Seth's injuries Mm -hmm. um, because you weren't able to travel while Mm -hmm. you were rehabbing your knee. Do you feel like, I mean, obviously it sounds like that was a positive thing for you, but as far as your personal career in sports, do you feel like that that was something that you missed out on just personally? or? I mean, yes and no. I feel like I knew I didn't want to play professional soccer, and to be completely honest, I don't think I had the potential to play professional soccer, so it didn't like weigh on me negatively in that way but I feel like I don't know I mean it was just a fun experience like I loved being able to go to the football games and I loved being able to be present um you know during his injury and not necessarily being gone every single weekend since we did both have fall sports Mm -hmm. um to a certain degree I do kind of regret focusing more on Seth versus, like, my teammates in soccer, and I think that's something that I was able to tell them, like, my senior year at the end, like, gosh, I wish I wasn't so, you know, preoccupied in Seth, and that I was more present with y'all, because it's important to have your boyfriend, because obviously, potentially, you'd be your husband, but it's also important to have um, your girlfriends, right, Um, and I feel like I kind of missed out on that a little bit, Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, I can't go back, so it's just being intentional about your relationships with your friends now and not putting all of your, you know, time into your significant other. Like, yes, they should have a good majority of your time, but you still also need to be present in other areas of your life. So I feel like, yes, it was good because he needed me during that time. I mean, it's not... A guy doesn't have many people in his life that I feel like they can completely open up to, and I feel like I was able to be that for Seth. Um... But the negative to it was that I kind of missed out on other relationships that I probably should have been working harder to keep while I was in college. What do you think about that? I mean, I respect it. I mean, I definitely needed her through a lot of it. And, you know, there were some times that, you know, her being around was annoying. But, but not, 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 not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. Not in a bad way, but right. just more of like kind of... Like, in a lot of those moments where it's like I'm, I don't say I'm like a deep thinker, but I like to think, you know, long term, you know, down the road, you know, and so, you know, talking, you know, with, with her just about kind of present day things or, you know, future aspirations or whatever, sometimes it was like, I didn't want to talk about that right now. I just kind of wanted to focus on myself and kind of get back to the point because like I knew she was still always going to be there. Um, but I mean, I definitely needed it. I mean, I'm not going to say I didn't cause I did cause I was in some dark times, you know, just emotionally and, you know, behind closed doors. But whenever it kind of all came to fruition, it got back to it all. I mean, I was definitely, I mean, I'm not going to say I didn't want it. I mean, I definitely needed the attention and, you know, I'm very blessed to have somebody that, you know, would basically put her relationships behind just for one you know who even knows if if it would be all for none you know type of deal or all for whatever Mm -hmm. um but it ended up being it continued to grow our relationship you know our trust in one another and you know that's I mean those are times she's never going to get back and 
you know, I highly respect her for that. And, you know, I always want to, you know, she's my queen. And so, you know, I want to make sure that she's happy and That's everything. Right. That's right. That's right. Never forget sure, it. Make sure that she's happy and, you know, because she's sacrificed a lot. And, you know, it's, I feel like our relationship is definitely sacrificing, you know, one thing for another to, you know, just to move on in life and to grow closer together. And she was able to do that for me at that time. That's very sweet. I love that answer. <laughs> so at what point do you look at each other and you're like, this is it. This is the person I want to marry. Obviously, she's been flying up to Virginia to see you and doing all these things. But at what point do you look at her and for you too, do you look at Seth and you're like, this is my future. This is who I want to be with for the rest of my life. Like, what was that for each one of you? I feel like it was pretty early on for me, like within the first few months. I know that sounds cheesy, but I think if you ask anyone that went to Baylor with us, Seth and I were obsessed with each other forever, and we still are obsessed with each other. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's not yeah. bad. No, no, it's cute. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, we were just always together, and I think everybody knew that Seth and I were going to get married at the beginning. Like, we just had so much fun together, and we still have fun, so. That's my answer. What's your answer? Yeah, you kind of <laughs> stole my thunder. Um, but, like, with me... My mindset of going into a relationship was, am I gonna? Is this somebody I can marry? Like I didn't date through high school. I could just, I just never really found anybody that I was wanted to date or whatever. Um, but end up, you know, getting to college and having somebody that I was like, you know, I could, I think, I think I could make, yeah, this will work. This, this, yeah, this will definitely work. You know, as we kind of kept mm-hmm. hanging out and. The first night that we really actually, I mean, kind of got to know each other was a, we were at one of our friend's house, and <laughs> it's a funny story, because she says she doesn't play video games, and I don't, I'm kind of skeptical of it, so <laughs> so we're, I'm in there with some of my other other uh, guys on the team um, at their house, and we're playing, I think, FIFA or something like mm-hmm. that, and uh, she comes in, whatever, and she comes with some other friends, she comes, sits right next to me, and we're kind of chatting a little bit while playing. I was like, hey, and I offered her, I was like, hey, do you want to play a little bit? She's like, I don't know how to, whatever. <laughs> and, like, I've been playing for probably, like, a couple of games, and I maybe scored one goal, mm-hmm. like, the whole time. And I hand it to her within 30 seconds to a minute, she scores a goal. I'm like, w- what? <laughs> I, I, you just, you know, she, like, she hustled me a little bit. And uh, I think from that moment on, you know, being able to kind of hang out a little more that night. She was at, she, we went outside and threw the football in the pitch black. Like, I don't know why we did that, but we did it anyways. And we were able to just kind of sit down and talk with each other and just share, like, you know, what our aspirations were, what are some things that we regretted in high school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just, just, you know, really deep talking, even with we had just met, basically. Literally like that day. Yeah, and so I think that was, that was a good sign moving forward of, we were able to share, kind of have that connection early on to be able to kind of trust one another to share those types of, I guess, emotions and feelings and experiences. That that was a definitely a positive for our relationship. Oh, I feel like we were able to like, I mean, you always talk about things in a relationship, whether it be in the beginning and the end, too late, too soon, whatever. I don't know, but like you talk about things that. You wish you had done differently, things that are always just lingering in your brain, right? Mm -hmm. Like those regrets that you had. And I feel like that first night we were able to talk about things like that, which to me, it's kind of just like a sigh of relief. Like, Mm -hmm. this guy still likes me. He knows like all my dirty baggage. Like, this is great. Because we all carry some. Um, I think that was telling of our relationship a lot too, that he still... Facebook messaged me the next day because that's like the thing we did back then oh, yeah. um, to give exactly. me his number. But it's not that far. Away. I mean, <laughs> it was like what six years ago. Still, I yeah. mean, now it's like Instagram. So it was Facebook then. But knowing that he was still interested in me and interested in pursuing me despite something that I don't know, just past experiences that I thought he would be like, oh no way, like mm-hmm. turn his head away, kind of thing. So that was nice. What advice would you guys give a brand new couple? I mean, you guys have only been married for, what, two, three years now? It's about to be two. About to be two years. So what advice would you give a brand new newlywed? And then what do you think continues to keep you guys strong in your union right now? 
I think from the guy's standpoint, <laughs> you know, the, the cliche, the woman's always right or the lady's always right, which in, in some in aspects they are. Uh, we're always right. Some, sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, it's, but it's also good to have, you know, a good balance, you know, of like going back earlier, talking about sacrifices, like who, you know, somebody's going to have to sacrifice something, whether that's moving to a different city or changing jobs or starting a family who's going to be the stay at home you know just all those types of you know conversations that need to be had you know at the right times um but definitely being able to be up front you know be very you know i guess real with each other transparent so that each person has an expectation of the other so it's not somebody's holding something back that they really are wanting to do and and they wait till they're a year married, and then it's like they blow up, and then it kind of, then you have to put the pieces back together. We're able to continue to have a positive um, relationship with both, you know, talking to one another, being able to share conversation, you know, deep conversation you know, with mm-hmm. real life scenarios. And I think that's something that with being a newlywed, I mean, I can still consider myself a newlywed, mm-hmm. you know, just still having those conversations and. And really supporting one another with so like if she wants to go and you know be an all star model which she, I think she could. I mean, you know, why not? You know, I mean, I would support her a hundred percent. And if I wanted to go back and I don't know, go back to school or something, which I think that's what I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to do. You know, mm-hmm. and she supports me a hundred percent. And so it's I feel like it's more of a a sacrifice, but also a, a supportive. You know, but also give positive and reconstructive. A criticism back so like okay if you are going to do this how are you going to do it are you going to and just talk those out and really kind of have a a blueprint of what you can possibly do and then figure out how to put the pieces together I think I agree with him 100% I think what we have been dealt with the majority of our first few years of marriage is just how everything's changing, right? Like you're used to being so sheltered, getting, you know, your parents to support you if you're so fortunate to let them to, for them to do that for you. Um, and just, I don't know, life is always changing, especially like when you're in your early twenties and especially when you have someone else that, um, has to be agreeable to your decisions too, um, and be willing to support you in them and willing to make some changes, even if, they don't necessarily want to um just knowing that at the end of the day you have to support each other you have to make sacrifices as is appropriate but also be that advocate and that person who is weighing the pros and cons with them just i don't know how to put into words i mean it's it's, it's communication you just have to talk so much and i agree with what you said if you keep things in you don't talk about things they're gonna eventually come out and rather sooner than later because if it's later you could have missed out on something big and you just don't want to live with regrets or saying like you held me from doing this kind of thing like we've talked that we don't want to hold resentment to one another and I think that just comes with being a young married couple Mm -hmm. especially so I'm sure that's true of couples who get married later on as well but I feel like especially for young married couples, just making sure that y'all have that open line of communication. It's always discussed because Mm -hmm. I know that's something we want to ensure doesn't happen in the future that we resent each other because we decided to join in union much earlier than is quote unquote typical. Well, it seems like you guys have whatever it is that's working works really well. Um, I think what's interesting about this is why I wanted to interview you guys is because I didn't know your story at all about your injuries or anything at all other than just like watching your relationship at the gym, Mm -hmm. which if you guys were to come to the gym with us, they both still like go a hundred percent beast mode at the gym. (laughs) So you would never think that either one of them went through anything. Like you think that they were perfectly fine. And then you find out this story um, I think that's also a testament to your marriage and your relationship is you guys are very strong on the inside and the out. And it's something that I really, I really enjoy about both of you guys. So I do have a really interesting question. So both of you guys are college athletes, right? Your career is now, you know, you have more of a professional career now, mm-hmm. but knowing everything that you've gone through in sports, um, your ups and downs through injury and everything, 
would you allow your children to, you know, invest their personal career and future in sports and athletics? Yes. 100%. Absolutely. Yes. Um, although you want to protect your kid from getting hurt, they're going to get hurt in some aspect of their life, whether it be they're a band player, whether they're a sport player, whether they're an artist, right? There's always going to be something that hurts them. And I know it's different because you're thinking like, well, they're physically going to get hurt. But I think I learned so much about myself and about um, just the relationships that can be created when it comes to sports. And that's something I would never want to deprive my children of. Um, I don't know how I feel about like having a daughter and having her play soccer just because women are more prone to getting hurt in that sport. I haven't fully thought that one out yet, but I'm also (laughs) not going to be the mom who's like, no, you can't play soccer. Like if, if we have a daughter, which that's like, we're not having girls. Like we're only having boys because he thinks that's, What's going to happen? Russell You can kind of do that nowadays. Yeah. (laughs) Pick your flavor, girl or boy. But I, at the end of the day, I think I'll let my kids do whatever they want to do from a sport perspective. But obviously just knowing what I know as being a dietitian, how nutrition is important, how making sure, you know, you're getting proper rest because all those things play a role in injuries. And I think... I think back to my injuries, I'm like, hmm, could I have maybe prevented that by taking care of my body better and things like that? Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'll be willing to whatever they want to do. I'm going to let them play everything they want to play. I mean, I've, with me growing up, with my three brothers, we played every sport possible. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it it teaches you how to be a team player, you know, first off. And then secondly, Mm -hmm. like, if you're in sports, if you're constantly you know, I guess busy with something, you're not going to get distracted with something else. Like you're going to grow your, your mentality of, at least that's the way I was always kind of taught and, and learned as I went. Like if you have something to work for, then you're not going to let the other kind of smaller things get in the way. So like, say like if you, if you have a kid that just sits at home and doesn't do anything, you know, and they get bored and they want to go out, then there's, they're probably more susceptible to getting into those negative, like drugs or you know theft, all those types of you know, things that are not not positive mm-hmm. in influencing a you know a kid. Um, but for me, I feel like sports was always kind of like a not a buffer, but it kept me away from all of the other negative things that could have possibly happened. Even though injury was always you know, something that people were always worried about, but if you take care of yourself and if you constantly, if you push yourself to the limit, I mean, you're going to get hurt. That's just, Mm -hmm. that's just the name of the game. If you want to be the best, unfortunately your body, you're going to break your body down. And even though with, you know, having, you know, we're going to have boys, I've already prayed it. Like, (laughs) you know, and I'm, you know, I'm going to be supportive of whatever they want to do. I'm going to force them to be left-handed because I feel like left-handed people are more likely to go to the, I'm just, just oh, it's like but we're forcing no. them to be yeah, left-handed. No, no, They're going to be kidding. left-handed boys <laughs> that are, <laughs> that are going no. into the NFL. Yeah, yeah, no, but uh, <laughs> I agree with you though. There's, but it doesn't necessarily like what he said. Though we'll be supportive of whatever they want to do if they don't want to play sports. Like getting them involved in something else. Like I don't feel like that is something that would matter to us. Yeah, it would sting a little bit. We joke about this all the time. We're like, <laughs> we're gonna have. We're going to have the greatest athletic children. Like, they have the best (laughs) genes. Like, if we have a kid who is like, Mom, I want to paint. I don't want to play sports. But he's, like, built to be an athlete. Like, yeah, that's going to weigh on you a little bit. Um, We always joke about that. But six-foot-tall flute player. I know it. Like, that just doesn't match up. Um, So, that's our stance. Sports for the Russell fam. It's a positive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, any final words? Anything that you guys have on your mind that you wanted to say? Anything else you want to share before we wrap up? Uh, I think, you know, with whoever, you know, if you're going through a tough time, just know that, I mean, it's the most cliche thing to say, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Like, I know I've had, you know, several friends that have gone through you know, much worse times than I have, you know, with losing family or whatnot and, you know, them deciding to do something that they probably 
wouldn't have done if they were in their right mind. Um, but just knowing that, you know, there are systems out there, there's people out there that want to listen, um, you know, or even if you're going through a dark time, just go and find somebody, like, you know, go to a church, go to a pastor, I mean, anybody that you know is willing to listen, sit down and just talk about it. Because if you keep it in, it could just keep eating away at you. Like, I know with my situation, with my neck, like, that was probably, like I said, the deepest and darkest time I've ever been in my entire life. And I never want to go back there because I just, I never really talked about it. And anytime I would, like, I couldn't get through the first sentence because I'd just start bawling. And and so being able to have somebody there, you know, like Ashley was, to be able to kind of be that rock to stand on, you know, somebody has at least one person out there, I feel like. And if you don't, like, go find a pastor or go find somebody that, you know, is very spiritual. I feel like I'm, with me, I know that was always a positive because it's somebody that will sit down and listen to you. Or even if they're not spiritual, maybe a counselor or anybody that will listen. Mm-hmm. And to kind of put things out there to let people know kind of what's going on in your life so that they can possibly influence you or help you make a better decision in your life. I agree with that. I think looking back at it now, I mean, what he's talking about, like getting help when you need help, I feel like that's not something we necessarily did ourselves. But in hindsight, it's probably something we should have done. Like, why didn't you go see, like, a therapist? Or why didn't you go see someone to talk to? Because I feel like your close family and friends kind of, like, carry the um, weight of feeling like they need to fix you and maybe that's why it was annoying because it was like how are you feeling like are you okay like do you want to talk about it and so that's probably why I was so annoying because I was trying to talk about it all the time because he's keeping everything in but in retrospect we probably just should have gotten you set up with something like that which is probably something they should do more so in college athletics Mm -hmm. rather than just thinking I mean not just in college athletics but that's something that I don't think was ever offered to me. It may have. I may have just said no because I'm stubborn and you feel like I'm fine. Um, But thinking of like how dark of places you can go go to when you go through such hard experiences. um, I don't know. Maybe it's something in the future. Like we're bound to go through something dark again. Like maybe it's something we think of before we just kind of hold everything in. Thank you guys. That was awesome. I really appreciate you guys spending your time here. And, you know, yeah, I am a huge proponent of finding somebody to talk to, especially going through dark times. I've been through my own myself. And one of the one things that did bring me out of that was going to speak to a therapist. I had a therapist for about three to four years and, you know, learned completely different coping mechanisms as opposed to just keeping it all in. I think mm-hmm. now I'm more open to like having a conversation or talking about whatever difficulty I'm going through because it helps me get past it a little bit faster versus just keeping it in bottled up because eventually it does kind of you know blow up in your face (laughs) without you Mm -hmm. expecting it you're not Mm -hmm. knowing why you're crying at like a leaf falling and you're like (laughs) what is going on but you know obviously um I'm trying to make light of it but but yeah I mean I agree with you 100% going to find some help finding someone to speak to whether a pastor or a therapist or a friend or somebody who is in a good space to be able to give you that space you need, like a just a very protective mm-hmm. ability to, to give you that free space is, is, yeah, definitely something I agree with you guys on. So, well, thank you so much for coming. And, you know, if you guys have any questions or if you'd like to reach out to Ashley or Seth, um, you guys can check them out on their Instagram. That's right. If you guys want to share your Instagram handles, you're more than welcome to. I mean, I think mine's private, but maybe I'll make it not private. (laughs) It's just Ashley J. Russell. I don't even know what mine is. A-H-L-E-I-G-H. I I think mine's like Seth Russell 17, I think. Okay. Original. Yeah, it's a... is, was that yeah, Seth number? Russell 17. Okay. Two L's. Cool. Two L's. All right. So that's my Instagram. Cool. Well, y'all have a great night, and thank you again for everything. Yeah, thanks, thanks for so having much. us. All right. Thanks for tuning in to Empowerment and All That podcast with your host, Rita Bautista. Want to help me grow the listener tribe? Make sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram and Facebook under Empowerment and All That. And remember, keep it positive or don't keep it at all.
Fuel your curiosity with a digital subscription to National Geographic. It gives you unlimited access to unique perspectives and stories published daily on science, history, animals, and more. Subscribe for $2.99 a month at natgeo.com slash explore. Get up to two free months of podcast hosting service with Lipson. Use our unique promo code LATINAPOD to get your show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Get critical audience building stats and all the support you need to sound your best. They can even do video. Bring your podcast to life and have your voice heard here, there and everywhere with Lipson. Again, make sure to use Lipson promo code LATINAPOD and get podcasting.